0: David, my calves are so tight.
1: Have you been running? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, I have been running. So, well, we're meant to do an evergreen podcast um, an advert where we can use it on any podcast. But if you're submitting to running, this is, this is going to be like a biannual. This is very funny. That's very funny indeed.
0: Get, <laughs> get off and explain how I can help
1: my tight calves. So, do badders, if you've not heard our very overly long and bad uh, introduction of the Pulse Roll Pulse Roll Pulse Roll We pulse on um, roll. Um, we we have we were at the running show and National Running Show and we were walking around just to seeing what cool things there were. There were quite a few cool things, most of them we knew and then we saw the Pulse Roller which is basically a vibrator the size of King Kong. Um, <laughs>
0: It's not oh. a vibrator it's a vibrating within, roller within within a foam roller <laughs> so you cut me off short you i'm cut not me sure off. that that's how it's
1: developed i'm not <laughs> i'm just i'm reading what, out. a load of I'm vibrators the blur, and then basically. we
0: put a foam roller over the top of it
1: <laughs> exactly that's basically what they've done so instead of you if you've ever tried to roll um, your muscles which is often quite annoying and painful one of those things that you never end up doing because it's just a bit of a faff you have to position yourself and then put your whole body weight on stuff and um it's it's just a bit annoying so this instead you just put it under wherever you want a little bit of a massage turn it on boom jobs a good one. and um and it works works really really well because it's, it's exactly like a, a focus foam roller but with a little help on the inside. Oh yeah, do we we've got an offer. <laughs> <laughs> so going, that's really interesting, David. And <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> so if you want to get one for yourself and uh, help support the podcast, go to pulseroll.com and you get twenty percent off everything on offer. Just use the code FYB for "fuck you, buddy," and uh, you'll be rolling away the rest of your days. <laughs> I'm buzzing. A buzzing, you'll be buzzing, exactly, exactly, no more injuries, sweet They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts Jody Rainsford and David Heller Come back, baby come back
2: bye, bye, bye,
1: bye, 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 bye I must admit I was a clone to be messing around that doesn't mean that you have to leave
0: don't come back. Ba da bye 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 bye
1: bye bye How you doing? I'm alright, David, Hellard, how are you? I'm um, uh, I've well I've already been explaining well, off record, <laughs> JD, JD Rainsford, that I am knackered we We're
0: both we're both I think we're both like really, really tired. So we're we're actually recording this episode pretty early on in the morning. Uh just in because we haven't been able to record uh, an episode in the evening and uh, and we're both we both seem to be just as tired as each other it's going to be quite a lazy lazy friday, episode it? not the that, end of the week not that, yeah. Through. <laughs> yeah exactly that's the other thing normally record on a monday evening so it's almost like highest energy you can have <laughs> uh, and then this is like friday morning can't be uh, difficult it's, it's half term as well for me so i'm exhausted
1: well the um i'm just about to head off to um run fest run and oh, this you're is going he- to that, are you? Yeah, yeah. They, um, they, I got some free tickets to go. And, um, and it's, it's interesting how, as someone who's you know, without kids in London, you forget that not everything's about you. And so their programme starts, like the, the main speakers, people like Paula, Paula Ratcliffe, it's all Friday afternoon. Right. And, and it finishes by Sunday lunchtime. And so, for someone who's you know, used to being a single Londoner, everything is about you expect people not to be able to leave work until five o'clock, six o'clock at the earliest. So therefore, nothing starts until eight. Yeah. And you know, people are just used to getting back late on a Sunday at the end of a weekend. It's just how life is. So things can go until like four or five o'clock at the you know at least. So it's just quite weird. You're like, oh, so we're going, but actually. We're going to miss all of the speakers from the Saturday. There's no speakers on the Sunday. There's just a a run, and so we're actually just getting one day's worth, uh, which yeah, should be fun anyway. But um, but because of half term, you forget it's because a family is. I think it's meant as a family event. Yes. And so all the all the families have got their kids, and so for them actually getting back earlier on the Sunday and going down on the Friday before all the traffic's probably preferable in both both uh both options
0: yeah no it's really interesting like how much it all changes uh, in terms of well everyone knows how limiting having children is in the first place and yeah there's that there's that famous michael mcintyre um speech about this is how someone without children leaves a house oh look i'm going to leave a house and they leave a house and that actually is a metaphor for, like, everything. Like, going on holiday, uh, travelling anywhere, deciding to do it, everything. It's, it's just, there's so much additional complication from having two completely irrational beings uh, who don't appreciate anything you do, yet are still your wonderful children. Who are, I, make, yeah. I give the impression that my children are terrible. They're not, they're wonderful. Uh, but, uh, but it's just... They, it's all, it's all about them. It's all completely about them and stuff. And so like, you know, you have a, it, like half term is hard because, um, Libby works as well. So when the, when you haven't got school or, or nursery, uh, it's, um, you just, it, it absolutely like decimates your, your week and you just can't ever do anything. I try, I try working when I've got like the kids around and stuff and it's, it is utterly pointless, utterly pointless.
1: Well, yeah. In some way, I see it as um, like children a little bit like a, a kind of a gaping wound <laughs> you, where, you know, in, immense pain. But actually, when people see it, you've got you've got quite a bit of pride there. And, you know, it's a real hassle about it.
0: Oh, yeah. There's it, nothing. There's not. Like, so you meet someone and they, they'll say this as a badge of honour. Then you'll be like, oh, yeah, you got children go. I've got two children under five. As though that's like the badge of honor. You're like, whoa, two <laughs> children under five, man, you must be, that must be like the hard thing. People say, oh, I've got two, yeah, I've got two or three children under five. You're like, oh, okay, okay, so you're like full of rationality and, and everything. So, yeah, but but that's the thing, like, the, like strange stuff happens that you don't think so, and you kind of become used to it. So like, for example, if someone says, oh, how about, you know, I give you a call at seven. You're like, are you insane? Are you utterly, <laughs> utterly insane at seven o'clock? It's like between five and seven, that's dinner and bedtime. Like you yeah, like you, ca- you cannot interrupt those, th- like the holy two hours of, of doing anything. You forget that you lose that. The thing is that between that five and seven o'clock when you were like when you were a kid, that was like, hmm, neighbors. And then and then dinner, wasn't it? That's how that's what it used to be. But now it's uh, now it's just like, oh, it's just that's the two two hours dedicated to try and wrangle your children into bed.
1: Well, maybe you should serve dinner in bed. Two bears, one stone. easier. And then they're already there. Do you know what, have you ever
0: tried to get a child into bed? That's a weird thing to say, <laughs> taken out of context. i am not answering that question. <laughs> That's a weird thing to say, <laughs> taken out of context. Uh, but actually, you know, trying to trying to keep them in bed in the morning, nightmare. Trying to get them back into bed at night, equally as difficult. Um, it's kind of insane. It's kind of insane because they, um, yeah, it just, it, it takes over. And just even, even like logistical things, um, become an issue as well. So it's actually quite good that Southern Night runs set it up for, for families because you, you have all these logistical problems. Like what happens if you're both runners and both parents are runners and, uh, you know, you've got, what do you do? You can't both go on a run. Who looks after yeah. the children when you're doing stuff? And, you know, it makes things like races and stuff, for, you know, I'd be interested to see how they
1: how they set it up for, uh, for families. Didn't realise that it had a family edge to it. But what I find quite entertaining is they've got these captains where... They, Because of our registration being like a code or something, I think we've we've not fallen into their usual registration system. So when you register, you're assigned to a team. Right. That has, I think you get your own different color top, and you have a team captain who could be Paula Ratcliffe, for example. Oh, and this okay. And is, this is the amazing thing about it. So you've got these team captains who are pretty kick-ass-ish. So... <laughs> oh i
0: like this ish this is gonna be Spore. good
1: and um i don't well maybe i'm maybe i'm being unfair uh you know you you tell me if i'm being unfair so
0: you're being unfair i've not even heard this but i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna predict that this is gonna be unfair so captain one right paul Ratcliffe. okay pretty amazing Maybe may amazing, but maybe not amazing as a captain. So there, there, there's a, there's a nuance there.
1: Go on, carry on. Maybe she's not good with oranges and uh, team talks. That maybe is true. Th- yeah, yeah, possibly. Team two, yeah. Colin Jackson. Okay, that's good. That's good. Pretty amazing, if, if, uh, and for the for the non Brits, he used to be world record holder. I don't think he ever won the Olympics. World champion of the uh, of the hurdles. Um, team three yeah steve cram good that's pretty good yeah he was in fact, i don't know what he was he was he was basically as good as um sebco steve Avet. Steve vet yeah that was it. similar era but because he was with them i don't think he ever won olympic but basically won broke world records as well 1500 800s, all that um captain four yeah chris evans wife
0: who's chris evans wife she famous or something no no she's not (laughs) i don't know her name mrs evans
1: but then mrs evans then it's
0: not billy piper is it oh wait a minute that's that's a long that was a long time ago that was the previous mrs evans yeah well you know what i like that he's done that to be fair you know if i'd organized an event uh I'd, i'd i'd put like you know my family on the billing as uh as legendary runners or, or whatever else, I I don't know. She might she she might be amazing at pep talk. She might actually be the funniest person ever. She's going to care more, isn't she? She's going to care more. She's going to work
1: harder for it as well. But I'm thinking more of if, especially if this is a family event. If you've got two kids and one of them's in team Paula Ratcliffe and the other one's in team Chris Evans' wife. <laughs> well, how would do you, How do you think they'd react? I mean, do they really know who Paul Radcliffe
0: is anyway? That's the thing.
1: Um, but even, say your kids went, this is the Olympic, and if they saw the excitement of everyone else around them and everything like that, it's, it's the, I think kids get a sense of when you're excited, they know it's probably a big deal. But also, anything to be able to tell their mates, they, they know that this is going to be a
0: biggie. Uh, I don't know.
1: Do you not remember as a kid just getting someone's autograph and you've got no idea who they were.
0: Roger Black you... came into our school and I remember this was the guy that didn't win that race. That was that's what I could remember him for. And the fact that, that my mum is that what you told him. And that, no, I didn't. And the fact that my mum always kept saying, Why didn't he close his mouth when he runs? That's all I that's my that's what I thought about Roger Black when he came in to have his photos taken in our school.
1: It could have made all the difference.
0: It could, it could have made all the, the
1: difference.
0: <laughs> I don't know, I, 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 what children, uh, I can understand that if there, if there's a good awareness, if there's an awareness, if it was something like Usain Bolt or whatever, someone that is like a, a, sort of a modern uh, hero, I could, I could kind of see that, but.
1: But But then, you know, you look at the London Marathon and you're like, this person has got the the record, the world record, and I knew who Bob Beeman was when I was younger, and I knew who. How these... old are we talking here? How old is Paula? No, no. How old are these children? Or oh, just hypothetical, hypothetical.
0: I but... don't think. I don't think that stuff like that's as important. I don't. I honestly don't. I think if, for example, if I think about Frida, she would all she would care about is that the person's team she was nice. That would be it. That literally would be it. You, don't, you could come up with all sorts of bollocks about winning stuff and things like that. She thinks I've won the London Marathon to, you know, for every medal that I've got from it. She thinks it's a winner's medal. So she doesn't, you know, I, she, I, she just kind of like doesn't take that stuff into,
1: into account. Okay, but much. what about intelligent children? I mean... <laughs> You're clearly saying your child's an idiot, which, fair enough, we should have expected, but... I don't know. Do you know what? You say my child's an idiot, it's a hard thing to take,
0: actually. <laughs> That's a really... Uh... Uh, are you, emotional? You, you are tired. It's going to oh, set you off. Yeah, it could set me off. Um Oh, I welcome think... to Bad Boy Running, D-Bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bad Boy well, this is, this is actually very interesting because you we, we, we were talking about that mentorship thing. So when, when you go on Facebook now into the Facebook group, it asks you two, one of two questions. It goes, one, is this group about running? And you're like, mm, a bit iffy. And then the second thing is, I think it, it only is, um, uh, as, as Facebook admins, it goes, do you want to offer mentorship? Which is a weird thing to say in the, face, in the, in the um, Bad Boy Running Facebook group. But it's the different things on offer that are weird, and one of the things is like, do you want to do mentorship in, like skills, which makes sense, things like that, but also
1: parenting.
0: And I was thinking, what?
1: It's got it's got career advancement as well. <laughs> <laughs> do you think these are generic to every group? Because there must be some groups out there that are like boobs are great, or <laughs> yeah. <they're> the most <laughs> the most horrific, or just most random groups. Yeah, exactly. Or, It'll get get Danny down the pub, yeah, exactly, or like
0: helvetica 's my favorite font, oh, do you want to offer some parenting advice in <laughs> what what are you talking about so it 's really yeah. interesting that we 're now talking about parenting issues, and I feel that this is probably part of that mentorship that you, with zero experience of parenting uh, is probably you know, is well placed to do it,
1: and me clearly doing a terrible job as well, so well i mean i, I i'm a, a big believer in tough love um so that would <laughs> be, eno- be my approach
0: enough about your time at boarding school <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i meant did i say believer i said receiver receiver <laughs> 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 yeah so should we should we are we gonna do it are we gonna do mentorship
0: just to see what it actually does i don't to... know yeah, what does it what, what, what does it do i don't understand what
1: offering mentorship means because it, i've so i i've, I've clicked down all the the different options and it says members so first we choose the type of support that members of your group would be most interested in um i mean skill building seems like the one that actually boring but i think that could be quite fun because we could do little badges like in the scouts where i like, push a cyclist over a badge no, we're oh, not why are you don't
0: saying you... that why don't are you that? saying this, that just as jody
1: has banned cycling chat
0: in the group oh my goodness why are you doing that <laughs> don't say stuff like that don't encourage it anymore um but yes i, I is that what you get is that you get badges well, I don't know yet, but it what says about members. Pa- so on the parenting one, do you get badges? You get like a, a
1: rating as to how good a parent you are, judged by us. Like you get you get like seven days non-smacking badge. You get you get to do a run. Uh, <laughs> but members match themselves. Group members can volunteer as mentors. I mean, that in itself is worth it for. Or say that they're looking for a mentor, and members then form. Pairs based on skills and interests. Oh no, this sounds like a terrible, terrible like, running dating, dating service. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And like, your Evans is going to end up being mentor to <laughs> three thousand people,
0: <laughs> whether they like it or not. I, yeah. how, how did I end up in this mentor relationship? I never asked for this.
1: Right. How many How many thousands miles are you going to be walking? Wow instagramming this uh this this year it's not enough it's not enough that's that's his main advice and it says then the conversations begin members can connect one-on-one and begin their mentorship program
0: but what does that mean should it what just on
1: messenger i assume so but it says guided by light discussion prompts so i guess there must be because Facebook are trying to create a whole new work environment now, which yeah. is similar to, um, I can't remember the names of the river and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, So this must be their, their, their way in which they try and say that they're not destroying the world and they're not terrible people, which they mm. are. Uh, and so maybe it comes up with things like, Oh, have you talked about nappies? <laughs> <laughs> and Oh, oh. shit. Should- should you feed your children alcohol question mark (laughs) frowny face
0: yeah possibly possibly so what are we going to do so so should we start off with skills let's start with skills skills because i think you're right i think you can get if you get badges for it it's worth doing because i I think
1: skills gives us more to play with doesn't it as uh yeah we just need to
0: develop some first before we mentor them though
1: yeah well we could do we could do skills as parenthood which is just you've managed to become a parent get that badge straight <laughs> back you can get it you can get it for the day if you adopt or if you like just acquire a child
0: <laughs> just acquire a child to get the badge yeah 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 it sounds like it sounds like project mayhem just gone really really wrong <laughs> so so when i was younger
1: oh god i was i was a scout from the ages of i'd say 9 to 27 to, about, to 20 <laughs> 27 so i'm now so you get one of those weird ones like the queen's scout regiment or but i um i realized that instead of doing all these things to get badges you could go to second hand shops and buy <laughs> <laughs> so i just bought all these badges it's like the most decorated scout in history because some of the badges didn't exist anymore some of the badges were rubbish like i
0: remember being in cubs and I don't know what it was called, like, um, either the domestic badge or whatever. And all I did is I went round to – I mean, for some reason, this sounds so dodgy now. I went round to, like, the scout leader's house and made their bed, like, hoovered their lounge. With them in it. And then, made, <laughs> and then, and then cooked them, like, bacon and eggs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, I'm like, and that was the badge. And you're like – that is, and how many people were in the Scouts? Like, exactly, there was like 30. So week? basically
0: just get these kids come round and like tidy up their house.
1: Do you think we can do that? <laughs> this, is a, this is a kind of modern form of... It's an incentivised form learned. of slavery.
0: <laughs> you get a <the> Facebook badge.
1: <laughs> to get a virtual... Someone will be keen. As soon as it gets gamified and someone's got more than someone else. We'll get what we'll do. We'll end up with um, we'll end up with the wig and runner doing it every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm <Kicking laughs> not bacon. Talk about wig and runner, please. I'm
1: gonna cook five bacon sandwiches every day for the rest of my life.
2: <laughs> but
1: um, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going into the group now, so I'm gonna start it up. I'm starting up the skills. About So do is What skills do you feel that we have and you don't?
0: Or what do you think we could learn really quickly uh, by just going on the internet for a few minutes that you want to know about? The weirder, the better, because we're experts in pretty much nothing. <laughs> it's not giving me the option now. No,
1: <laughs> after all that.
0: as a voice recognition. the voice- Facebook's voice recognition is... Uh, you were slagging them off and now it's withdrawn all of your options
1: oh it must have been a use it or lose it ah oh, ah oh. but um well let's move on to some running chat instead then have you been watching dan lawson
0: no i haven't but i've heard
1: a lot about it unbelievable like on, so well, explain explain it so do balance You haven't listened to the dan lawson interview yet do 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 um Although he's not really talking about the running that much, he does a little bit, but it's more about rerun, which is to do with um, recycling, running gear and how uh, we need to be conscious of our uh, environmental impact. But Dan has taken on, I think it was, in fact, I'm going to look up his Facebook page so I can actually see the full details. He was in a seven day race, but I think it was around a 1K loop something insanely dull yeah um and they they called it i think it might even been a world championships i mean i'm gonna say if it's not a world championships it's fine for them to have called it a world championships because i mean if you everyone there's probably the only people in the world who'd want to do it probably did it yeah um but yeah he ended up. Where are stats? He ended up running nine hundred kilometers. Whoa! And at one point he was in second place, seventy k down. And I'm not. And the other guy's finished, I, I believe, but Dan just picked up his pace. Picked so, up his pace. Picked up his pace. So yeah, even so, he had he those. Yeah, I mean it's unbelievably bonkers and he was we need to get him on to talk about it and i think he'll be talking about it at the the national running show the the ultra stage we'll, we'll get him to talk about that and about rerun but i mean that is when you hear about people's challenges that is the next level because even even ones the ones like the Tour Gent against or, or the about times and races the 200 milers where you can Get away with maybe doing power laps, power naps, potentially like like half an hour here, half an hour there. But a whole week, it's. I mean, that must be hallucinating on the next level. And the fact oh. it was kind of flat, I think. I mean, I only saw the the little clip from his uh, his lovely lady's. I don't know, it's wife or girlfriend, but um, who she she just cheered him on every now and then as he went past, and it, it almost looked like he was in a a caravan park or something as exciting as that. So I mean that is the next other than a, a treadmill, I can't think of anything that would be mentally harder. Yeah. Oh, that must be awful. And actually a treadmill might be easier in some ways because at least then you've got a screen and people can come and feed you things and yeah. Really, really crazy.
0: That's insane. That's insanely good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, what is that a day? That is, you're um, looking at like one hundred twenty k a day, more than that, one hundred thirty k a day. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, when you put it like that, you because you you almost if you hear that number, part of me thinks if you could sleep well and then you have to run yeah it's just so because so few people have really gone into that territory yeah when you when you double you tend to add like an hour to your time you know from a uh from like a marathon up approximately um and that's a very rough rule that's probably not right but um but who knows after two days after three days and then just one little bit one little bit of sand on day one that gets a slight rough bit on your foot by day six could be that you out for the rest of your life
0: it's going to be the mental aspect of that that's the issue it's going to be i mean just the just taking a rest and then getting back up again and then just pushing on especially like you know like being like 70 so you say 70k down yeah And then knowing you need to, I don't know, actually, maybe that's better. I know that sounds ridiculous. Maybe that's better. Maybe having, being well out in front is quite boring. When you've got to catch something, you're going to catch someone. Yeah. There's a bit more, there's a bit more in it, isn't there, mentally, Um, which, and and especially because it's kind of open-ended as well, That it's all down to you. It's not as if like someone's, you know, like it's a point to point race and someone's finished it and there's no way you're going to catch them now it's a you know there's still there's still the opportunity to do it so there's mentally I you think can it, perk yourself up in order to do that but yeah but, i think like you, it's like, that's like uncharted territory you're right
1: and it probably depends on partly your psyche because um some people are very good at being paranoid and using that fear to to run right so if i've done a rat race event for example where I've, where I've done well one of them I came in in like 45 minutes ahead of the next guy, but I was racing it because I didn't know if he was 30 seconds behind me at any yeah. time. And you, cause you can never tell how far back someone is. So, although I guess that doesn't work in this, does it? Because you know exactly where they are. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's it.
1: Yeah. Complete. And also, and so
0: that's what, that's kind of, it's, it's, um, so that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? If you, so how, so how
1: come, and that's a half-day lead. It, yeah. It's insane. And you, you, could, you could sleep the whole night and come out neck and neck. That's the... Yeah, I mean, we... It's a different, it's a
0: different level, isn't it? It's a different level of, like, strategy and everything else. It's what, when it gets to something like that, it's not just about... I mean, like, you know, obviously endurance and the physical aspect is the thing, but the mental side and the strategy side has got to be... It takes over on a different level. But, yeah, but the, but the thing is, after that amount of time... Just thinking about that the whole time, and like, what do you go through for that mental state in order to be able to to keep doing that on day five and six? Yeah,
1: yeah. and and I think you almost needs you need to have a manager there or a coach there who tells you what you're doing. Yeah, who makes your strategy for you, and you tell them how you feel, but they ultimately say this is what we're going to do because you could that's the thing if you knew you could sleep for four hours quite easily because you've got time that might be the right thing but then again what what the the right thing might be to stay out and do an extra eight hours and put it so far beyond them that they're not even going to attempt yeah it. that's it it's all that yeah and the yeah. thing is yeah and it, it the other, i
0: suppose the other thing is that it's a more controlled environment like at least you can because the issue with 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 longer races, um, over you know you know two hundred miles, three hundred miles, things like that, is not knowing when to sleep. Like you know that you can sleep at certain yeah. points, but sometimes the points at which you can sleep aren't when you're tired. So when yeah. do you know? And, and when do you know it's real? You know it's the tiredness that you can go to sleep to, as opposed to the tiredness mm. that means you're just going to sit there being tired, but not really, you know, not really go to sleep. And so. I suppose you're in a more controlled environment so you can control that better, but is that necessarily a good thing? Because like you say, you know, you you could just keep pushing through until but then does that mean that they then affect your performance? Oh, it's so much I, I think over yeah. that period of time, there is so much um there's so much learning about yourself and about what you can do and about how to how to race that you'll you'll get. It'd be
1: great. And I, even if you, you might even get to the point where you're almost not a human. You're just so out of. <laughs> what? You're just you're just so out of control of. You're just so tired that you don't. Re- you might not even know what's going on. You you just end up being something someone traipsing rounds, but not really having the ability to pro- process.
0: That's, that While sounds like there. an
1: hour into any race I do. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about long ones, um, more good news. Oh, go on. Nikki Spinks. Nikki Spinks. Oh, yes. She's finished the triple-double. The triple-double. If that's, if that's what we call it. triple-double, that's,
0: yeah. We're not talking about uh, in a pub.
1: That Well, maybe she's celebrated that way. I don't think she's a big drinker, actually. But um, maybe, maybe. Yeah, she's finally done um i just loading the page i can't remember which is the third one she had managed but uh, second paddy buckley the paddy she's done the double paddy which is from from all well from what she said in the interview yeah double paddy um first was sub 24 um and it's amazing actually she she really even now she goes through huge waves of up and down she said she had nine very hard hours um, when she questioned why she was wasting everyone's time isn't that isn't that insane <laughs> given that she's done the double in the others she's you know unbelievably good and yet even she had nine in the nine whole hours that must have been one leg between um between just checkpoints did where you, she...
0: did you did you see the the start and the end of the race
1: no no no
0: I mean, it just, this is just, it sums it up. Just this is very like British. Like you you just wouldn't find this, I don't think, in, a, in America, stuff like that. It's literally just a completely inauspicious start. Like, li- like, like, I think it looked like it was like next to a bus stop or something. <laughs> so you just like run off with some dogs and then the end of it, just it looks like like she's literally just gone off to do a to, to do a park run or something and then just cut, you know, just go around the corner and run back like she's picking up some milk from the shops or something like that just completely inauspicious just really really you know uh, um yeah very just sort of like typically british yeah, yeah no I mean, fuss
1: no fuss i've just run all this easy it's i mean it's all about it's just her own personal desire isn't it it's yeah. incredible amazing and because have you seen john kelly's um attempt that he wants to do
0: yes yeah i mean i think we're going to forgive a small amount of cheating uh on this but it's essentially um all the rounds um but cycling in between
1: them as well in in the fastest, what's the in what amount of
0: time is he going to do it
1: just the (sighs) quickest this is just the quickest I think, I mean, I, I don't think it would have ever have been attempted before. No. I, I'd be surprised if all three rounds have been attempted in a year by more than like four people, if that. So this is, yeah, I mean, my. it's, it's just, I guess it depends how quick he's doing it. Because he could, in, you know, he could finish have a lovely nap you know have a bit of recovery then cycle and it's a nice time if he's against the clock in his head the whole time i'd be really worried about his sleep and about his cycling when he's done the two two rounds and then he's cycling i i guess he'd start in scotland You'd, you want to start with that one and finish in wales but um yeah when you're then suddenly in these back little side um Side roads in Wales with people speeding around, and but oh, my, it's that that will be next level. But if that becomes a thing,
0: <laughs> if that's the new, it becomes insane. It's like it's been, it's got to an insane level now. And it, then there'll be the double, won't there? There'll be, no, there'll be
1: one where you swim back, <laughs> so it's a proper triathlon. <laughs> just just so you get it all in i mean i'd l- we'll we'll speak to john at some point about that um possibly before actually because i think trying to get and understand his approach would be really interesting um and then before we before we go into
0: no 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 there's something something we'd like, we like we really have to discuss oh oh yes we need to talk about mo mm, oh right what Mo, the hell is going on? He's a he's a he's a hero in everything, but my God, we, I mean, we struggle to promote stuff well, but there is <laughs> nothing more unnatural than Mo Farah trying to do some kind of sponsored promotion. The corn adverts yeah. were terrible, were utterly utterly terrible. But he is. But at mani- least
1: they were directed. He gave them what they wanted.
0: Um, yeah, I, I, no one in in their right mind thinks that he eats corn um th- th- you get that impression but he kind of he went through the motions and through the and, motions through the motions <laughs> there we go he had no emotion that's the only <laughs> problem uh, but now he's been it, it it feels like he's been caught doing a promotion rather than it being an official because it looks like he's taking the piss because he's promoting is it mr
1: muscle it's, yeah,
0: it's, it's this yeah something... is this
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, it looks like he might be – maybe he, his, he's he got a buddy who works with Mr. Muscle and he's taking the piss, but I don't – I think – Or Mo is that a is, breakdown? Or is it, yeah, he could, that is the other option. <laughs> but I think he's too financially savvy to ever do anything that's not going to cost a fair whack. But if – so do bad, do bad is if you're, if you're not aware of his promotion, you can get on his Instagram or I'm sure if you just Google Mo Farah, Mr. Muscle – it's just a picture of him looking very unnatural in a shower with the biggest bottle of Mr. <laughs> Muscle I have ever
0: seen. I mean, that's, that's, that's his normal
1: size. He's just tiny. It makes you realise just how small he is. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if, if that is the normal size of Mr. Muscle, it's probably pretty good value for money because that is... See, that we're we're, doing, we're be... doing a better job of promoting Mr. Muscle <laughs> than he is.
0: It feels as though he is being held at gunpoint to try and promote this. And they're like, make it look natural, make it look like you're enjoying it, uh, and we'll let your family go. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it, it's the weirdest thing. It just looks terrible.
1: But the, the strange thing is they can't have paid, they surely wouldn't have paid that much money for it, for it to be so crap. But then I assume Mo wouldn't have done it unless it was <laughs> a substantial amount of money. It's like, it's, it's, it's like really shit influencer marketing. Isn't it? Shall we do a do-badder version? <laughs> Everyone get in the shower. <laughs> and promote something. It doesn't have to be Mr. Promote Muscle.
0: Promote something
1: shit in the shower. <laughs> promote tag something in shit. bad boy running.
0: Promote something
1: shit in the shower. It's going to be a new... <laughs> <laughs> it's, like a... it's a thing. <laughs> this is your challenge. You've got to tag in Mo Fowler as well. Tag in Mr. Muscle on Instagram. Tagging bad boy running. Just do a mark shit atkinson
0: photo. mark atkinson's gonna be like literally as soon as he hears <laughs> this he's gonna be in a shower with a copy of his
1: bloody book he he's will got a picture of him in the shower with a book already <laughs> <laughs> all different he's done photoshoots in all opportunities <laughs> just in case so do better. we want you to promote the weirdest thing to have in a shower um Make please Barra don't style. Please, please don't put marmite all over your body um <laughs>
0: see the thing is you lay down a challenge like that someone's gonna do it (laughs) yeah no dirty well dirty protests (laughs) best place to do it in the shower (laughs) it's a good place to do it yeah mr muscle would really work in that situation as well yeah it would it would maybe this could be after
1: (laughs) yeah we could do it before mo so do bad get out there start causing some mischief and if you weren't listening last week Newton Faulkner still needs to be harassed. He's still not said he's going to play at my wedding. And um, I'm going to be reminding do every single week until he agrees to come to the wedding.
0: Well, I think you, you said these two things too close together. People are going to listen to this get confused and do a dirty protest at Newton Faulkner. we will be like, do- no, you've got that confused.
1: Send Newton send Faulkner pictures of you in the shower.
0: Or <laughs> bottles of Mr Muscle.
1: Both and Mr. Muscle, whatever it takes, and actually Mr. Muscle's bright orange, I think, which match, matches uh, the look of Newton Faulkner, so' <laughs> he might, he might for that but uh, the um and on the lighter, lighter side of things, did you see the sexy parkrun chat?
0: <laughs> yes, I did
1: <laughs> Amazing. Have, amazing. You it, have
0: you got it in front of you?
1: I'm just I'm just loading it now to see who posted it in the group. So um, so, do badders. If it was in fact it was our very own Mark Atkinson's. I think it's the first place he's done where he's not promoted his book. Good work, Mark. Good work. What, did he even exist before his book?
0: That's the thing. I don't. I, I never saw him. Is he even a do badder?
1: He was he was in a pond somewhere, um, quacky waste. So there is a gentleman who owns is the is this on twitter i believe or was it facebook the horton park park run it's one of the biggies one of the biggies and the the trouble is when you have more than one um, account yeah. or if you look after facebook pages sometimes you're logged in without realizing it and um, when you think you're posting as yourself but you're actually posting as 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 the page you represent and i've actually i've, I've done this much before myself with, with bad boy running or a uh, bit belly running or caffeine bullet but so conversation to start starts i don't know i mean this is the weirdest the weirdest conversation so don't shoot the message of people this is just fairly horrible but someone called jerry g said maybe these men need to work on their understanding of the female anatomy perhaps even ask the lady when she likes you can you can guarantee whatever she asks for will not start with his willy going inside her vash. <laughs> what is this? Who found this anyway? <laughs>
0: what was he looking How at? Find this? What was this, he looking this, at in order to stumble across questions. this conversation?
1: <laughs> and I wonder, are they going to do a... Um, are they going to have some kind of mentorship program as well? <laughs> what, yeah, what website would this be discussed? So he says, full penetrative sex is basically just a guy jacking off inside your vagina for a couple (laughs) of days. Why are we repeating this? So, Horton Park, Park Parkrun, then responds, Jerry, I think it's very much dependent on the people involved. I have had penetrative sex like that and penetrative sex, which is much more than that. It depends on the willy. (laughs) At which point, someone asks, do parkruns have sex? And I'm not sure what happened after that conversation, but um, it seems to have gone fairly quickly around the Internet. Um,
0: That's amazing. Uh,
1: whoever, whoever that gentleman is, Horton Parkrun. I mean, it's called Horton Parkrun as well. But uh, yes, yes. Well done, Parkrun. Well done, Parkrun. Parkrun. <laughs> well, Me- disgusting like sex it's not a race people it is not, not
0: a race it's not a race <laughs> don't forget your barcode wait a minute it doesn't apply that doesn't apply in that situation <laughs> so
1: how do we link to um how do we link to our next guest on it? <laughs> hmm so from, from ding our... dong to hong kong <laughs> ding dong to hong kong brilliant can't get it better than that take it away nick So do badders. We're heading back to the Orient this week. And we we've been fairly, I guess, American and UK centric. But um, we spoke to James Poole about his time in Hong Kong when he I can't remember the race he did, the crazy race. And so we've had many people <laughs> suggesting we contact John, um, our next guest, about his understanding of, of what running is like you know, Hong Kong, China all of that but also some of the war stories he's got um, he is <laughs> if you have a coach he's probably the person that your ooh, coach would ooh. least like you to be like because he seems to race every single day <laughs> and uh, <laughs> to the detriment of his health at times which is why partly why we've got him on but uh, welcome to the podcast John Ellis. Hey, yeah,
2: thank you thanks it's great to be here. <laughs> what, time are you, what time is it where you are John? Uh, it's about four in the afternoon, um, which means it's probably about seven where my coach is, so I hope he's not listening.
1: <laughs> and, wait a minute,
0: shouldn't, shouldn't you be working?
2: <laughs> is your coach in Australia then? He is, yeah. He's a guy called Andy Dubois, and he's very tolerant and very patient with me.
1: <laughs> oh, interesting. And how honest are you with him?
2: No, no, <laughs> really honest. I mean, you know, there's no hiding when you're on Strava, so... Yeah, he can say he see everything that I do. Um, so, but the only you know, at the end of the day, you have a coach and you know, he'll give me a good bollocking from time to time, which I generally deserve. Um, but he, you know, you have a coach to work with, and and he helps me get better. And you know, he's he's a good leash on some of my, you know, overtraining, over racing tendencies. I think.
1: <laughs> well, that that's the thing that because we we don't do much research on the podcast, but we do a little bit, and that's the thing that really struck me was in every article i saw about you it it always has the kind of as a, a preface on his fifth race weekend in a row or um <laughs> having done four weekends on the trot or and these are not small races either these are always in you know, a fairly chunky um is, is that just part of your ethos
2: look I, I just i love racing i love competing and we're just really fortunate here in hong kong that you know, during the race season, um, you know, summer, it's just too hot, but, you know, pretty much from, you know, from spring through to, you know, early autumn, I mean, there's probably four or five races on trails every weekend. And so you've just got this amazing choice. Um, it's great time to catch up with friends and, you know, be part of that community. And, you know, some suckers like myself just can't help ourselves.
1: Wow. So, and what is the kind of Distance of trails that those four races are on each weekend. I mean, what is—is is this the type of race where they are just all on your back door?
2: Yeah, I mean, Hong Kong's a pretty small place. I think you know from one end to the other. Actually, we, we've actually run it a few times, and it's maybe fifty or sixty k's from top to bottom, or you know, west to east. So you know, they're all you can get to them all within an hour on public transport. You know, we—I know a friend who did a race on a Friday night, then the Saturday morning, then the Sunday morning. Yeah, you know, if you want to do that, it's uh, it's there.
1: And has, has there always been that culture of trail running? Do you think in Hong Kong?
2: No, it's really grown a lot in the last ten years. So, yeah, you know, I got here probably nine and a half years ago, and you know, within six months, I was doing my first solo, my first solo hundred k, which was the Hong Kong one hundred, and that was that was actually the first solo hundred k in Hong Kong. You know, they've had Trail Walker, I think, for about 30, 31 years now. Um, but you know, from that, you know, nine years ago, uh, and they're going to have their 10th anniversary next year. You know, we've probably have you know, probably over 20 races, solo races, you know, 100 Ks or more. So, you know, that shows you how much growth we've had. Um, you know, it's always there's always been a culture here because you have had Trail Walker go for the last 30 years. But it's really only in the last 10 years that it's really exploded and taken off.
0: What does just that mean? To, just, just, sorry, just to give a flavour to the listener as to what... So, when most people think of Hong Kong, they just think of, like, the built-up area. Mm, yeah. Just to give a flavour to people, what, what, what are we kind of looking at in terms of what the landscape is around uh, Hong Kong, in terms of the trails and everything, just so people have an idea of just how challenging it is, because uh, it's not yeah. flat, is it?
2: <laughs> no, and, and look, really simplistically, um, you know hong kong's a pretty densely populated place so they've basically built on every single bit of flat area they've even sort of built out into the harbor reclaimed some land they built on that as well pretty much the only stuff that they haven't built on is the stuff they couldn't because it's too steep and that ends up being our trails so (laughs) yeah i mean the trails here are hard you know i i came from perth and um you know there's a lot of flat there's not really much in the way of hills and you know, for the first year or two, I was I was struggling on the trails here. There's some really steep stuff. In terms of the terrain, you know, there's a lot of stairs. I think Hong Kong's you know, most famous for the stairs. Um, and so, yeah, your, your quads learn about that pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, there's some really good contour. There's, you know, mountains that go up to about 1,000 meters high. Uh, some great, you know, sort of beach runs, um, descents, ascents. Um, through cities, through villages, um, you know, through country trail, fire trail, really good um variety. So, what what
1: has this, I guess, boom in trail running done for these trails? Are they still is like is the the challenge changing as more and more people are, are run through them?
2: I think you know over here the AFCD is the is the regulator, and I think they probably struggle a little bit with trying to keep up with permits for it's probably about 200 trail races every year that we have in hong kong which is quite a lot when you consider it's you know such a small place you know geographically um you know i've seen data that you know there's probably if you add in you know every time someone goes onto the trail there might be maybe 10 or 11 million you know runner visits uh the trail races are probably about only one percent of that so you know from a from a trail point of view it's probably not having the biggest impact mm. um but it's certainly you know it's st- certainly quite regulated here and the, and the regulators do have you know limits like 500 runners for new races and things like that
0: how how easy are they to navigate so you know in the in the uk it's like trails are very very easy we have the ordnance survey and everything what what uh, are the trails like well marked is it easy to just go off on a trail with a map what 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 is kind of like the state of them
2: yeah I mean there's there's sort of the big trails. and in Hong Kong, we've got four major trails, and they're really well marked. Every five hundred meters, you'll get another sign pointing in the right direction. Uh, and then there's a lot of mine there's a lot of I guess medium trails, and then there's a lot of minor trails. It's you know, depending on how much of a bushwhack that you're looking for, um, so those are for children. Yeah, there's trails everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there's you can you can do it, everything and anything in between. Um, you know, when you have 7 million people living in such a small area, you know, they find different ways to get from A to B. And if you look hard enough, um, you know, there'll be a big trail, there'll be two medium trails, and there'll probably be about 20 small trails that you can take. So you've got lots of options.
1: And is it, in terms of the culture in the whole local region, is there a lot of – because I know at the moment running is booming in China. Is there a lot of tourism of people from China coming out to uh, visit hong kong and race and do, is there a lot of do, uh, runners going the other way and into australia and into you know the philippines places like that
2: we get i mean we get quite a lot of chinese runners here so you know really broadly hong kong 100 it's probably the biggest race it's on the ultra trail world tour um every year i think probably about 1800 runners generally 600 from hong kong 600 from china and 600 from other parts of the world uh and in terms of you know we get a lot of you know, Asian runners coming to Hong Kong as well. You know, as a Hong Kong person going out to some of the Asian races, generally you might take one or two flights out and then you might have to drive for up to five hours to get to the race. Then you sort of double that to come back. (laughs) Whereas the great thing with Hong Kong is you often can get a direct flight here and from the airport you're going to be, you know, half an hour to an hour away from the start of the race. So it's a super convenient um, location for, for people to come and visit for races.
1: Does that mean everyone's phenomenal then in Hong Kong? They're just they, all they do are three thousand meters of ascents for their five k jog.
2: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, like it's a pretty it's a pretty strong scene here. Um, you know, I think you know, I think when people come over, you know, they're probably surprised at you know how strong a country of seven million people can be. Um, there's definitely some home ground advantage here. You know, we love it when. You know, the Americans who who are probably used to their buffed out sort of, you know, little ascents, little descents come over here and we hit them with stairs and, you know, they're walking like cowboys halfway through the race. (laughs) Um, There's definitely a home ground advantage, but there's a a strong scene here. And um, even if, you know, some of my friends who are here, we've got, you know, guys who are with the Trail World Championships next weekend, you know, guys representing Ireland, guys representing, uh, I think, Ukraine and a few others, you know, who are based in Hong Kong. Oh, really? Interesting. And yeah. do did
1: you, did you feel part of that larger global community then?
2: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know what it is with trail runners, but I think, yeah, we, we sort of, I guess we act local, think global. Um, yeah, we're always looking at what's happening around the world in trail running. And I think we relate a lot to, you know, what else is happening elsewhere.
0: Do you have a problem with, uh, well, let's just say China? has a bit of a reputation now among its runners, <laughs> uh, who, like, aggressively cornering, cutting the odd thing. Is that is that an issue uh, in Hong Kong, or is that an issue when Chinese runners come
2: to Hong Kong? I mean, I think a lot of it's just... It's probably unfair to pick out Chinese runners, but um, yeah, I've been to friends as. Oh, who are the others?? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we don't mention the Russians. We know uh, the Russians. Yeah.
2: So. <laughs> just, just an example i not not sort of, you know, blaming anyone or but you yeah, know I've, I've had a friend, for example, go to a Mongolian race and you know she she did really well. She overtook all of the girls, and then when she got to the finish line, there were sort of six people that she'd passed and they hadn't passed her back and they were all at the finish line and they were claiming their prizes. So, you know, I think it happens all over the place. And from what I've seen, it generally happens in countries, you know, that just don't have that experience in terms of organizing races and where, you know, maybe the prize money is actually quite a lot compared to what the average wage might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with the Chinese runners, I think, you know, the ones that come to Hong Kong, you know, they've, they've generally done races in China, um they're yeah, the best of the best they,
1: they they know how to knock <laughs> <before>. you'll, <laughs> never
2: catch them. you'll never catch them <laughs> definitely won't catch them they're too fast but
1: um, it's, it's always who it's always who not why but I think, it's a yeah, bad the Chinese ones,
2: joke <laughs> yeah once you come to Hong Kong are generally you know they're pretty good um you know, there was one situation I think you know quite a fa- famous infamous situation with Hong Kong 100 a couple of years ago where actually the Chinese winner actually got dis- disqualified um uh, there's probably some miscommunication there, but basically ran past a couple of hikers, grabbed their bottles, and just ran off <laughs> with, with really? their permission. Or uh, he thought they had that he had permission. Um, the hikers <laughs> didn't think they'd given
0: permission. So, <laughs> David, you've got in trouble for so many things in a very similar situation. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking
1: more, more you had permission, goodies, goodies, should we say?
2: <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's there's situations like that, but I think you know, generally the the Chinese runners are pretty good. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's the, the, the countries, I guess, where they haven't been doing it as long, where, you know, maybe they're not so good with the rules and maybe there's a little bit more, you know, not doing the course, like you meant to do the course.
1: <laughs> and so, so the nine dragons is the name that, um, seems to chime around you, should you say, um, what is that race?
2: Oh, I mean, the nine dragons, it's it
1: sounds great. Yeah. It like I think so good. <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, I get. I did a couple of years ago. I was sort of featured for a a little short film that went um, to a few different film festivals. And these days, I get people coming up to me that I don't know saying, "Oh, you're the guy who cried at the finish line." (laughs) 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 There's someone else, but yeah, I'm I'm the crybaby. Um, In my defence, it's a bloody tough race. Uh, Effectively, so it's it's 50 miles on the first first day, and then 50 k's. On the second day, a really tough courses. To give you an idea, the fifty k is actually fifty five k's, and it's got mm. almost four thousand meters of climbing. So, wow. you know, I think you know when the race director Stephen Carr was putting the race together, you know, he probably looked, I, I can do the the really nice contour here, or I can do the brutal steps up and down, and he's pretty much chosen choice B every single time. So it is really tough. Um, having said that, you, I mean, because I've never really raced something which
1: has significant steps in yep. does it does it kill your quads on the way
2: down far more than just yeah. a, a hill would yep. yep yep absolutely because you just you can't really roll it's each time you sort of step you have to break a little bit and so that's it's really working your quads um but yeah look i mean it's it's an amazing challenge i think you know, we um we sort of did a little bit of research a while back and i think in terms of dnfs our dnf rates for races it was yeah, Barclays obviously on another planet, but, um, but Nine Dragons, I think the year we looked at it a couple of years ago was probably like it was less than a 40% finisher rate. So it's pretty tough. And, um, you know, I've still got the scars to prove it.
1: <laughs> Which, when you think of the mileage, you wouldn't, if, if someone told you those distances, you wouldn't think 40%, would you? Even, I mean, that the ascent is obviously huge, but people tend to,
2: tend to finish races in general. Um, yeah. But I think there's probably a couple of things. So with this one, the cutoffs are pretty tight. So you've got a, a miler that's long. It's probably more akin to a standard 100k. And I think it's maybe a 19 hour uh, cutoff. So it's pretty tight. And then I think the second thing that gets people is just turning up for day two. It's just mm. so much easier to roll over, turn off the alarm clock and you know, enjoy the sleep in.
1: Do so they give you like half a medal at the end of day one? <laughs> or do so they give you like a four dragon <laughs> and so you feel like you've achieved something or is it <laughs> is it all on the next
2: day it's all on the next day so it's a it's a bit of an all or nothing
0: uh, why what, is it called nine dragons then
2: so basically so in hong kong we're on the island here uh on the other side there's um the the area is called kowloon and uh that in cantonese you actually pronounce it Long," which um which means nine dragons so you look at the The main hills and there's basically nine hills in a range and actually i think it's eight dragons and so the race whoever wins the race gets to be the ninth dragon (laughs) it's kind of cool
1: romantic i like it (laughs) and does that mean they get to dress up as a dragon or do they get some kind (laughs) of are they made a a king of the local dragon area or anything like that
2: (laughs) they should do something like that um but no i think i just got a trophy and uh you better come back next year (sighs) Because didn't, um, didn't you rip your calf in on one year? Yeah, so that was my own fault. Uh, so I had, a, I had a really good sort of – I do a lot of my training is racing, so I think I was probably up to a weekend six in a row um, mm. for racing. Um, it was only a 35K. This was the weekend before Nine Dragons. I probably shouldn't have done it. But, um, yeah, sort of pulled my calf, kind of knew I was in trouble – and, yeah, rolled up to Nine Dragons the next weekend. I thought it might be okay, 15Ks in, it sort of went again and basically spent the next 140Ks just running off my right heel, which isn't much fun.
1: <laughs> but what, what does that mean, running off your right heel, like in, in terms of practically, are you, like literally hopping? or?
2: Yeah, so, so basically your left, your left foot can just run normally, but your right foot lands on the heel and then pushes off the heel, so you just don't engage your toes, and that way you're not engaging your calf. Oh. It just makes, and that—that's kind of okay. But I think the worst part was the downhills because you're coming down on your heel. There's mm-hmm. no cushioning every time. It sort of slips a bit, and then yeah, I had blisters on blisters on that heel, and uh, yeah, it was pretty painful at the end.
1: <laughs> and and why didn't you pull out? That was that's I what I would <laughs> <laughs> "Good question. Dragons don't do
0: that, David. Dragons don't <laughs> do that." <laughs>
2: dragons aren't quitters no i mean I've, I've kind of got this no dnf record i guess um oh, it's no. gonna happen one day but to date i yeah i haven't managed to dnf a race and I, I find it's just a good habit to get in like it's just not a consideration and yeah if, if stuff happens and you know stuff invariably happens in ultras um you know that's just off the table as an option um you know the only options are go fast or go slow or either way i've got to finish
1: and and did that do you are you still of the, of the viewpoint that that was the right thing to do to, um, to to carry on, or did you have any major issues following it?
2: Ah, uh, I mean, I was in pieces at the line, but that was probably more sort of dehydration. But um, no, I think it was. Yeah, you know, look, you know, we can probably have another podcast in ten years when you know my knees don't work, <laughs> <laughs> sort of people are rolling me around in the wheelchair. Yeah, at the moment, you know, I don't mind that as a rule, and I didn't have anything planned for after Nine Dragons, so I was happy to you know, dig pretty deep and then keep digging and really bury myself. But yeah, there probably will come a time where the sensible thing will be to stop and you know, not permanently damage yourself, and hopefully, I make the right decision when that happens.
1: So, how say say we look if you take us back then, you've you've got these six weekends in a row of racing, because we have in fact ali who's one of our co-presenters she in my mind does a foolish number of races in a row as well um but she often will do it just for like a training run rather than anywhere near some kind of intensity yep. uh, with with those six like how do you how do you approach attempting six races and six weekends uh,
2: I, I think a lot of i think the main thing is actually just building up to it so yeah, you know, for someone to go from, you know, one race a month to that, you know, straight away is just, I think you're just asking for trouble and injury. And so it's actually been, you know, just an increase over the last probably sort of three or four years, just sort of building up to it. Um, you know, you feel pretty rubbish, <laughs> to be honest, you know, when you're getting through the fifth and the sixth, you know, the body has a lot of niggles. And I think probably the hardest thing is just mentally, because you get to that point with 20 or 30% of the race to go. And that's the bit where you've really got to start pushing, you've got to you know, really hurt, Uh, and push through all of that and yeah after five or six races in a row you you really struggle and it's easier just to sort of have a you know look in front look behind no one's there and you know the temptation is really just to take the pedal off the accelerator and uh, cruise in
1: so so are you racing these all flat out
2: yeah I've um I guess I'm a competitive guy and I just I struggle yeah I I love the racing part of it and um yeah I just I can't help myself (laughs) And how were you, because
1: are you then able to, you know, are you walking the next day fine, you're training midweek, or how, how does it then impact the, the following week and fortnight?
2: Yeah, when I'm in the consecutive racing weekends, it's generally, you know, virtually no training during the week. You know, afterwards, there might be two or three days worth of, uh, you know, just recovery. Um, you know, maybe a 5k active recovery run if I'm feeling good. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I generally don't like to run maybe a couple of days before a race. And so once you've done that, there's not really much of the the week left.
1: And do you, does that then follow through that? Do you find yourself actually getting slower because you haven't done any training that that's based on speed or?
2: Yeah, I, I do find that, um, throughout the season. Yeah. I lose some of that sort of, you know, speed and quickness. Yeah having said that yeah you know, I I do yeah you know, I sort of pace it pretty slow at the start and I do find that maybe the last 10 20k's can be it's probably not that quick but it feels quick mm. <laughs> so I think that probably helps
0: I'm going to and ask t- a nutrition based question here David I know that's very unusual mm. for me to ask a nutrition based <laughs> one but, uh, but so uh, do you if you can't train during the week then in between those things is the is is your nutrition strategy then like key in order to make sure that you recover properly
2: yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm a big believer in that sort of, you know, that golden hour, so, you know, after a race, you know, you've really got to get in, um, you know, some carbs and protein on that three to one, four to one ratio, and so, you know, at the end of the race, I'm pretty religious on getting my tailwind rebuild in, and I'm just, you know, munching a couple of those, um, and then for the rest of the week, I'd love to say that I eat really healthy, and, um, you know, lots of greens and all of that, I'm, uh, I really like food, <laughs> and I really like gear, so yeah that doesn't help me I, I I can sort of you know move up and down in terms of weight a little bit throughout the season because it's you know it's this real balance of you know lots of lots of calories out with the running but then lots of calories in because I just like eating and you know beer is very tasty
1: that's interesting because i'd have thought that you with the distances of some of the races you're doing you'd almost your body would be in such a rehealing and kind of afterburn process constantly that you wouldn't be able to eat enough to actually potentially put on weight but i guess maybe if you're if you're just doing those races some of your your race weeks might only be you know 40 miles in a week yep yep Um, yeah exactly uh and and so do you do you do things like weight training then to try and prepare your muscles for this kind of ravaging like pre-season is do you concentrate on things like that or are there any kind of tips you've got that you think help you once you then stop training to to keep on racing
2: yeah i mean it's a really good point um i mean I'm, I'm lucky enough to be part of there's a team you know gone running joint dynamics team and the joint dynamics side is uh is a physio based here in hong kong and they run us through a really good preseason. so you know one of the things that david jackia who's the main coach there runs us through is this thing called german volume training and it's basically you know eight to ten squats and then you do it 12 sets and you start off at maybe 75% of your body weight, and by the end of it, you're trying to get to maybe 110%. Um, you know, like a, a big session of you know, maybe six weeks of that is just so good because you know, it really sort of helps your, your glutes, your quads, um, you know, a little bit in your calves, a little bit in your core as well. And then you know, just being strong sort of helps you heaps on the uphills, but actually on the downhills, it really helps too. And I think it really helps with injury prevention as well. Personally, I've got some pretty weak tendons, and I think you know, they can bear a lot of the impact and the force when the muscles get tired. And So if you can make your muscles you know, a lot stronger, I think that really helps with injury prevention as well.
1: And, and when you're on the, in these races, then, what kind of nutrition and, and obstacles do you face? Because it, it can be quite humid, can be very hot. Um, do, you, do you have all the same brands we do? Do you have all yeah. the kind of same thinking that... that the Western science supposedly tells us or is there a little bit of kind of Chinese medicine in there as well
2: No, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty simple guy. So with the nutrition, I just keep it easy Um, if I can get my calories through liquids, you know, I, I, I try and do that because I'm gonna be drinking anyway It's one less thing to, to worry about So if there's tailwind or something like that on the course I'll, I'll happily get that at every checkpoint and then I'll top that up with gels you know, having said that, you know some of the races do a pretty good job here on nutrition, and sometimes you might get you know seasoned uh, rice balls. Uh, actually, some of the more local races, you can get uh, like cup of soups, <laughs> like two minute noodles, and um, <laughs> yes, that, that's that's pretty <laughs> that neat pretty as well. Yeah. yeah, especially on the cold ones. Um, yeah, you, know, you sort of get that into you at night, and it can really warm you up for the next stage. Now, I, I know they've opened up a bridge that. Goes to, I think
1: Macau is it? That's
2: yeah, juhai 20, and Macau.
1: Twenty-six miles long. Yes, like perfect marathon distance. Is that runnable? I
2: think it 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 should be runnable. Um, you know, we went over to juhai about a month ago actually, and just try out some of the trails over there. And yeah, I mean, if they're happy to close it, um, yeah, you know, I think it could be a great marathon. <laughs>
1: So, is, have they got like? Would you be allowed to get on it, or is it just roads at
2: the moment? Yeah, it's just roads at the moment. Um, I don't think there's even sort of footpaths. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know if they have any plans to, but it would be seriously cool.
1: Now, and in in, in in terms of your kind of racing career, have you w- what is on your list of races still to do, or, or and do, are, there, are you now looking at ones outside of Hong Kong a lot? Um, now that you've you've done them so regularly locally
2: yeah i mean i think you know for me you know hong kong 100's always got a special place in my heart um you know just you get to race all of these you know amazing international runners um yeah you know, that's always fun your know, nine dragons um you know race director steve cars told me that you know i have to do it every year <laughs> how many times have you done it then uh all three years so far right and I think pretty much every finish line, I've swore I'd never do it again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the perfect race, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, those are the ones I, I really love in Hong Kong. Actually, a green race over here do some really good races too. Um, but, yeah, just this season I've focused a little bit on this thing called Asia Trail Masters. So it's it's a, like a, an Asian version of the Ultra Trail World Tour where they bring together a lot of the races. Uh, you score points for different races and whoever does the best over the season you know, gets to be Asia Trail Master champion. Um, and that's been really good. Um, you know, it's been nice just to get out to different trails, you know, m- you know, meet different runners, you know, just get a feel for different communities, heaps of different terrain, um, super challenging because, you know, it's Asia, you've got these tropical climates and, you know, I, I struggle with, with the heat a little bit, um, but uh, but it's been, you know, an amazing season so far, just getting out and getting to the Malaysia, getting to the Philippines and, and a few other countries as well.
1: And, and do you get a sense that the cult, the running cultures in these countries are kind of comparable to the one in your own or, or are we all very different?
2: I think they're the same and they're different in a lot of ways. I think the great thing with trail running is we just, we're not, are ultimately competing against ourselves. But so we're always trying to help other people. There's not, I guess with road running, I always felt there was a little bit more competition. Um, so there's very similar uh, in terms of that. Uh, and, and the support that everyone's trying to help each other out um, but then you know they do everyone's got their own sort of different things they deal with the trails a little bit differently um, but there's a lot of commonality I think you know going around Asia and just seeing how these communities get on.
1: And and have the races that you've kind of attended are they because in you know in Europe it's taken years and years and years to to grow in. and actually things like UTMB it's only probably in the last three years where it's gone from being a trail running secret almost that people are really in trail running yeah. doing that now it's almost every runner who has done london math and is like right now i want to do utmb
2: Yeah. Um, yep.
1: it's uh, but but a lot of the right ra- you know there's there's some shocking races there's some great races but it takes a while to learn really how to be you know, race director and and even what people want from trails and what people need is, do you feel that, um, the region has, has managed, has, you know, have they got that knowledge just because it's out there in the public domain or, or, is it going through those, I guess, those teenage years still?
2: Yeah, I think it's very much a race by race basis. Um, you know, so you can go to, you know, some races can be sort of, you know, really sort of local and community focused, but they still do the, you know, the running side of it really well. Um, other races uh, um, you know there was uh you know they they sort of don't do that stuff as well um yeah having said that you know i went to delat did a um the um the delat ultra 70k a, a few months ago and you know that's only in its second year you don't really think of vietnam as being a you know big ultra trail destination but mm. it was a race with you know, they had an amazing expo. You know, they had Mercedes sponsoring it. They had, you know, a Mercedes in the middle of the expo. Mercedes, you know, I don't know, C3 millions to go and pick up a lot of the runners and drive them around. They had 4,600 runners. So, yeah, you sometimes you're a little bit surprised about places you don't expect much and you get amazing. And, yeah, other places maybe should be better. But, yeah, it's, it's really race by race. Yeah,
1: I've, I've found that actually with events in, um, I guess, less – developed countries that you can often end up with some really big sponsors who you don't really understand why they're there. But it just seems that you, like when Mercedes go into Vietnam, for example, or if they're somewhere in Thailand, Mercedes haven't got like a huge marketing distru- uh, department with infrastructure ready to be like, no, we can only sponsor something that's on brand. And so I think there's, there's, there are more opportunities to get money out of sponsors.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when I look at the race directors, they tend to be the ones who are maybe, you know, the real sort of hardcore trail runners. But then on the other side, there might be more of the corporate you know, sort of, and they tend to be a lot better, at, you know, bringing in the big brands, you know, and getting that big sponsorship through.
1: Because uh, do you receive any weird prizes or are there any odds um, kind of cultures or things attached that, that probably wouldn't have happened Wouldn't happen over here?
2: No, I think generally, um, you know, sometimes you get some you – know, I don't think there's been anything sort of really that jumps out. Yeah, um, yeah you know, I think for Delat, I mean, that was kind of cool. I, I was surprised at how good the prizes were, I, and maybe that's a function of the sponsorship. But, um, you know, for that, it was, you know, a bunch of Salomon gear. You got a, a new Sunto watch at 10 million dong, which – which sounds like a lot, but <laughs> actually, it's actually—it's a lot of dong, but it's not a lot of dong. <laughs> I
1: find one dong's enough for me. <laughs>
2: you <Alley-oop. laughs> um, Oh, so how much would ten thousand dong be, for example? I think it's probably about four four hundred US. That's you know, so it's nice pace for the trip.
1: But it's I when you that's what as you say, if, if for a local runner who might not be earning a huge amount in salary,
2: yeah, yeah. You know,
1: that's that's the when we were in Sierra Leone we had that issue yeah because you it was you know when especially when I'm not saying this about any of the countries you've been in but in Sierra Leone where some of the police were um friendly (laughs) we say with some of the runners okay when you've got that Kind of infrastructure and that, um, not, not I wouldn't say absolute corruption, but you do have.
2: More of a <laughs> but, you,
1: but 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 you still said of, it. Yeah, <laughs> more, of a, more of a kind of tendency to um, to, to greasing the wheel. Yeah. yeah, when there are home advantage, in, home advantage, call it home advantage. Yeah, absolutely. That's when you you can understand that you know, especially you get a few foreigners coming in to do one of what is one of their races really and you think well this guy doesn't need his for his ten thousand dong compared to that could buy this for my family or and so it is yeah. it's very understandable why people might feel persuaded into um you know not necessarily following the rules to the <laughs> to the letter should we say have I
2: word of that like had today, but I probably made it Why, far worse what, than just Yeah, saying, I think there are about 17 euphemisms there, yeah. <laughs>
0: what, what I love about that is that exactly applies to your racing
1: strategy uh, abroad. <laughs> <laughs> could, yeah, absolutely. Choose the ones with the biggest prizes, the slowest people. <laughs> I'm friends with the policeman.
2: Yeah, that's actually probably quite a good strategy. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, if I was your ability, I'd be a millionaire, so... Uh, <laughs> in I, dong I, I, though in dong, in dong. <laughs> yeah absolutely, yeah yeah <laughs> so do but, you think oh go ahead jenny
0: i just wanted to really get an idea of um so if it, say we've got people in the uk who go across to, to hong kong all right uh, and, and they want to go they want to go trail running or they want to do a few races and stuff like that what would what would be your recommendations of of doing what are the what are like the key races? you've mentioned that the hong kong 100 i think that's a that sounds like a key one but what what, like other things, is it worth looking out for in the calendar if they, if they were thinking of coming to Hong Kong?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. There's just so much choice over here. But, um, you yeah, know, the Hong Kong 100 probably is the biggest spectacle. They've got an expo. You, know, you get some really world-class runners um, sort of coming here to race, you know, to give you an idea. You know, last year we had, um, you know, Dylan Bowman and Tom Evans and, a, you know, a bunch of other international elites. So, you know, that one's always good. Um, you know, if you're looking for... Yeah, if you just hate yourself and you want to suffer a lot, I think you know, I'd recommend Nine Dragons. Um, yeah, it, yeah I say that sort of tongue in cheek, but I think, you know, ultra runners, yeah, we like challenges and, and yeah. that's right up there. Uh, you know, if you're, if you really, really hate yourself, um, there's a thing called Hong Kong Four Trails. So that's where you take the, the four major trails in Hong Kong. It's combined, uh, 298 kilometers, 14,400 meters of climbing, and you basically just do it non-stop uh i
1: think that's what our friend james that's attempted. what james did yeah yes yeah
2: yeah, yeah but, so but that's, you, you have to get incredible. in
1: a taxi don't you on the in between some of the trails at yep. which point you could just go via your hotel quite easily
2: yep yep and uh yeah you wouldn't be the first person to sort of jump out between trails but yeah it's, it's, it's basically it's unsupported except for between the trailheads and you know I think, you know, it's cut off of 60 hours if you want to be a finisher. And I think over the years, maybe only seven or eight people in you know, not many, not much less years than that have actually you know, hit that. So it's it's a pretty tough one. So
1: that's more like a, a Barclay kind of scale of adventure, isn't it?
2: Yeah, although, yeah, I mean, each year you probably get, you know, these days, you know, people have, you know, they've finessed it. They've gotten a lot mm. better at Added. And I think these days you might get you know two or three finishes each year. Um, so it's not quite on the scale of Barclay. And you know I think at the end of the day, like the challenge director Andre Bloomberg, he wants people to finish. Um, you mm-hmm. know, which isn't the case with Barclay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, true.
1: Actually, Lads will Lads will up it slightly <laughs> <exactly>. harder.
2: Too <laughs> many well, people finished? Yeah, one person finished last year. So now we're going to double the distance or something. So,
1: but so what? So what is what is
0: the challenge with the Fortra? Is it? I take it is. It, 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 Navigation's not the issue it's it's the ascent and the the overall conditions.
2: yeah, I think that just the trails here are pretty tough you know there's a lot of stairs, depending on the weather, it can be pretty humid, and I think you know, being out there and just sweating a lot it's quite easy to get dehydrated and that takes its toll. You know, there's a lot of strategy around you know, how you work your support between the trailheads and then also yeah just how you pace yourself as well um you know to get to the last trail you actually need to sort of align with the ferry schedules as well so (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) it's a little bit of you know amazing race there where (laughs) you're kind of shooting for a certain ferry and yeah if you miss it then you're hanging around for two or three hours for the next one so
1: wow yeah
2: there's there's a lot of stuff that can happen And, and
1: are the trails and the races so steep that actually a lot of it is walking or would you say the trails are, are you know fairly runnable
2: i think if you're if you're flat or downhill i think you know all of that's runnable but you know whenever you're hitting you know stairs you know, even you know maybe sort of you know 20 30k races or above you're generally walking up those stairs you know you can fast march but yeah it takes a lot to run those stairs and you know then do it again the next hill yeah yeah okay
1: and and does,
0: the, does, does the nature of the race mean that that really you have to be a certain level of runner in order to be able to to do it? Or yeah, mm. obviously, obviously not the four trails or, or nine dragons. But is there is there a range of of races for for different abilities, or yep. or, or do you you just have to be good in order to, in no, order no. to handle the terrain?
2: No, absolutely there's a there's a whole range there so you know there's this there's 5k trail races um, you know goes up to 300 Ks um, and yeah you know, everything in between and you know, a lot probably more probably depends on the on the cutoffs you know the, the big one over here is Oxfam Trail walker I think it's about five and a half thousand people teams of four doing a hundred ks and the cutoff there is 48 hours so you know, in that race, you're actually allowed to get to a checkpoint. You can actually go off, stay in the hotel, come back to the checkpoint mm-hmm. and then continue. Um, and, you know, teams do that and still finish well within the cutoff. So as a hiking team. So, yeah, there's something for everyone, really.
1: And, and where do you see, because there's, we've heard of a few races in China in particular with things like the Gobi March and where they seem to be matching, if not actually creating harder races than we're seeing in europe maybe not so much in in the states um do you think that there is now more of a drive towards that um in asia than elsewhere and and do you think that it's it's gonna eventually overtake in running terms um, everywhere else
2: well, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of places in Asia are really just starting on their trail running journey and you know, just to see where China was maybe 10 years ago when I got here and where it is today, you know, in Hong Kong 100, for example, you know, I'd talked through some of the elites that came over and, you know, China basically was one, two, three for the men and the women in, at wow. Hong Kong 100. So, you know, these are people who are, you know, now going across to Europe and, you know, winning things like CCC. So, you know, I think there's so much talent over there. You know, it's, it's a mountainous country. there's a lot of people who grow up on the mountains and um, you know have hard lives and are just really good on on technical trails. And I think a lot of places in Europe, you know the trail running's been uh, it's a bit more mature and I think probably the the roots are a bit more mature as well. And so maybe some of the trails are a bit more buffed out, whereas over here, mm. you know, places of China, Philippines, you know, the routes really don't get that much traffic, so they mm. can get overgrown, they're a lot more technical. And so, yeah, some of these runners, you oh, know, yeah. in the Philippines, you know, especially China, they can run some super technical stuff. You'll see them at the top of a hill and then they just run and fly by and you won't see them again. They're just, they're that good. So I think... Yeah, running wise, there's a lot more to come out of out of Asia, and I think you know the races wise, there's some amazing terrain, and I think we're only going to hear more and more about it in the coming years.
1: And and are there races kind of progressing up in in difficulty as well, or is that just our perception from from the few people we've spoken to?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the I've, I've done a couple of races in China I've got friends who've done a lot of races and yeah, I mean you generally don't get easy races there um you know they've got a lot of steep mountains they're generally very technical sometimes you know I've had friends do races where they go over and you know it feels like you know the race director went out with a whipper snipper and basically sort of snipped the course the weekend before and <laughs> you know I yeah I've I know of races there's a race in Taiwan for example which is a 50k the course record's nine and a half hours, and it was a pretty decent runner that did it. Wow. It gives you an idea about you know how how much climbing and how technical these things can be. And
1: and do you think that some of them are straying into the danger territory if, if the terrain is that challenge? Because we're now in a – I'd say there are very few races, other than maybe a few sky races, where you wouldn't be allowed to just enter. You know, UTMP you've got to qualify for, but most races, I'd say most runners in Europe would feel – I'll just enter that, and they're used to taking on stupid things outside of their comfort zone and knowing it's safe. Are the terrains so tricky that there there needs to be that almost assessment of runners before you can take some of them on?
2: I mean, I think a lot of the races will have you know minimum, I guess, qualifying standards, or you have to have run this this distance before. Um, to be honest, yeah, with a lot of the you know the bushwhacky or some of the technical stuff, I think. As long as you're not next to a cliff um, you, you'll take a tumble on that stuff and you know you'll roll over you'll get some scratches I think most of the time that's okay but yeah some of the uh, yeah it's generally the races where you know you're on cliff edges and you, know, you haven't slept the night before and yeah. that's when it can get um, you know stuff maybe you know I've done UTMB a couple of times I've never had a good race but yeah I start hallucinating on that second night and yeah. yeah that that's probably when it gets really dangerous yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm yet to do a, a longer than kind of eight nine hour race to myself. So I'm missing oh, out. <laughs> yeah, I've played, but I've been planning to do this year, but then injuries have just sadly stopped. Jodie's more of the, the long distance specialist. Nice. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, any other questions, Jodie? No, I
0: don't think so. I just I love the idea that um, uh, that there's just this availability of all, all these trails just so close mm. to, to, to where you are. Um, which is yeah such a such an issue for for so many people, mm. um, and just being able to yeah like be literally within within an hour and the fact that it's got such such good provision as well. Uh, the other mm. question I just wanted to ask, really, was: <clears throat> Are there any other environmental factors that um, that, that are an issue on the trails? Like you know, if you go like running Western states or something, there's a possibility of death by bears or or, or anything else. What's the what's the local wildlife like?
2: Yeah, I mean, you see a lot more of them these days um like the wild boars. I think I think there was a a restaurant that got into trouble for sort of cooking one of the wild boars <laughs> a couple of years ago and <laughs> and since then, you know, you've just seen a lot more wild boars in the trail and they're a lot less wild these days. <laughs> How many
0: were they eating? One <laughs> restaurant was responsible for the depletion of the entire population. Well, I think
2: uh, so, yeah, anyway, so you got the boars um You've got, uh, I guess, sort of uh, hedgehogs over here as well, um, which, are, which are pretty neat. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of snakes. How big are they hedgehogs? Uh, probably sort of go up to your knees in terms of the spiky what? bits. Whoa! Uh, yeah. But they're, you know, they're pretty, generally pretty scared. So as soon as you see one, it's scuttling away somewhere. Um, we have a whole bunch of snakes, and there's two types of snakes here. There's the cobra and the crate. Uh, both of those are the lethal ones, but you know, the others are generally okay. Um, we have a bunch of spiders, um, you know, those uh, golden orb spiders with the really big legs. Mm. You know, they, uh, they're not poisonous, but um, yeah, it's not much fun getting one of those in the face.
1: <laughs> so, do, do people have issues and have there been incidents season races where people have been bitten or you know, trapped in a web and eaten by thousands of golden orbs? <laughs> or um, is, is that a serious consideration for people?
2: No, I think you know the strategy there is just find a tall friend to run in front of you, and uh, <laughs> and I think you're generally okay. You, know, you just after a while you just get used to the uh, the spider webs and, um, yeah, you just sort of deal with it. Um, yeah, I, I'm involved with a, a running shop called Gone Running, and uh, and we sell spider sticks. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> they um they can do the job as well. <laughs>
1: is it just a stick that you poke out, basically? Or I mean, is, yeah. is it,
2: well, there's it's, any basically more kind of... <laughs> it's basically stick. We've got it online. It's a bit of a joke product. So. Brilliant. Yeah, had a bit of fun with that. <laughs>
1: well, thank you so much, John. If um, when it, if you make it to the UK, give us a shout, and we'd love to take you out for a. Oh, there's nothing we can offer, is there? Just isn't <laughs> <laughs> not really. Oh, a little have... pass.
2: Yeah, like. Grey skies and, and lots of beer i guess <laughs> yeah we can do the can beer do That's not... yeah <laughs> nice.
1: we'll, we'll uh we'll we'll make our name with the beers rather than the the incredible trails because i'm london and, and JD's brighton so although you've got some oh, nice yeah. trails that you are JD, so uh cool. better than where i'm stuck but um thanks for coming on if there's if people want to kind of get in touch if they want to follow you track your progress your races things like that what's the best way for them to um to find you
2: I guess um, yeah, you know, by Facebook. I'm on Strava. Um, I guess you know, a little bit of a plug. I'm involved with Gone Running, which is a you know, a trail shop in Hong Kong, and then also T8 was a, I guess a technical performance trail running brand that I started with a with a friend called Mark Green, and we make some pretty cool stuff for for hot weather and um, yeah, sort of chafe free, really lightweight. So you know, you can either get in contact through Facebook, Strava, maybe uh, through Gone Running or T8.
1: And what and what type of equipment is t eight? Is it clothing then?
2: Yes, yeah, so it's clothing. So uh, we've basically got some guaranteed chafe free underwear, which is a, I guess a pretty big claim, um, but we've we've tested it. Uh, yeah, the, the testing took a long time, you know, because <laughs> yeah, each time you want to test it, it's basically, you know, at least fifty K's and generally close to hundred Ks. So is this is you know, the real sort of, reason you can wear stuff there.
0: They're just trying to wear it oh, yeah. out, see how many MARDs yeah. <laughs> are.
2: And yeah, we um you know, testing in Hong Kong where you know it can be sort of thirty-five degrees, eighty percent humidity. you know, you, you test it in some pretty good conditions here. And yeah, so we've got that. We've got these things called Sherpa shorts, which have an integrated running belt. So you know, I love running without a top, um, which also means I probably like running without a backpack. And so if I can – yeah, a lot of the products, you know, I love myself because you can put, you know, a liter of water in there. You get your phones and gels and you just go out and mm. it's got everything you need. So, yeah, a little bit of the plug there. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what T8's all about.
1: And I, and I can imagine that being very popular with um, certain obstacle races as well because we, we as, as British, tend to keep our tops on just because we've got that um, slight – um shyness should we say modesty in- <laughs> well I, obstacle races are all topless so if you found some of them who do uh, more long distance ones they'd love those pockets <laughs> yeah yep, yeah absolutely <laughs> brilliant well thank you so much for coming on um uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh I, I think i'll be at hong kong at some point in my life so uh give yeah. you a show if i ever am
2: yeah for sure come over um let us know when you're coming over we'll, we'll sort you out for some races right. and um yeah get you signed up for hong kong four trails
1: yeah, <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> I know. The next nine dragons.
2: <laughs> yeah, perfect. You can be the tenth dragon. Why seven nine?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, John. All Cheers. the best.
2: Okay. Brilliant. Thanks Bye. very much, guys.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Interesting.
0: So, I don't know about you, but. I just think it's the name of the Nine Dragons that, that makes me feel like I want to do it. Yeah, it's completely. Like, it's like this the Chinese thing, it just I don't know what it is about having like the romance to, to something. If you called it the Two Hills Hundred K or something like that, it would be rubbish. But you call it Nine Dragons and all of a sudden you think of like, you know, this Chinese mystical
1: crouching tiger hidden dragon Does the dragon's back do the same? Has it got the same mythology for you? It doesn't, really. It's they've ma-
0: what they've done with, with the Welshman, the dragon's back, is they've managed to make it sound like really mundane, haven't they? Like, the dragon's back. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> the most,
0: what's the most boring bit of a dragon? His back. <laughs> the dragon's back. Yeah. Let's do the back of the dragon. <laughs> you so it's the like he's dragon.
1: sleeping and you're just creeping yeah, along. Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like, don't mind me. I'm just, I'm just going to... There's this nine dragons. You're like, why are there nine of them? And then they've got a little story <laughs> that there are eight dragons and you can be the ninth. And you're like, oh, it's, it's beautiful.
1: But the, that's the thing. He's he's winning all these races. I don't know all of them, but he's winning most of these races as well. He's very, he's very humble about it. But that's what's crazy. Is that How do you... I guess it's a bit like Albon, where you don't have the ability to train and you lose your fitness during the course of a season. Yeah. But you're still racing every weekend and still beating people that are peaking at that one race
0: so here's a question for you are you racing because when you're racing you're racing against other people aren't you so if you're so good that you're that far ahead you're still effectively racing but you still might not be going at 100 percent yeah that's true actually yeah so because i think he said a few times that you know he looks around and there's no one
1: on him Um, but then it might be the trouble is when you're racing you if you look behind there's no one there they might just be 30 seconds away and you don't know it and if you if you suddenly slow down it's very hard to pick it up again because even a longer distance do you find that with you know we've done hundreds or once you're setting a pace if, if because it's such a long distance your body's going to be destroyed from it no matter what and so then trying to be like, now I've got to ask it to do more. I find that even like London Marathon pacing. If you At the end of a 3.15, if you told me to say, right, now run what would be your normal marathon pace, I'd really struggle to do it. I'd probably find it easier to do my marathon pace at the end of running that pace for the whole marathon than, than jogging the first 25 miles.
0: I mean, pacing must be real, really hard with, with, with this kind of ascent, especially with things like steps yeah yeah it's not as if you know this is like a you know these races are anywhere near flat they're, it doesn't sound like there's any flat at all on any of these races that you, you know if you're the only part that you're running in is the part they couldn't build on that's got to be pretty steep because they've built on pretty much everything
1: yeah and and that's that's what i i always struggle with the cuz the ascent is big but then again there must be cuz if you look at the videos it's so steep their terrain that they must do a lot of winding round hills, maybe, or rather than just going up, down, up, down, the paths maybe are a walking path, so they don't actually go this, the toughest ascent. Yeah, that's all I can figure. Because the like 54,000 meters in 50k is a huge amount, um, but it's not it's not substantially more than something like the Red Bull Steeplechase, where there's a lot, there's quite a few climbs but actually you are doing a fair bit of running that's not just climbing but you it's always just slightly down slightly up around the sides um but yeah i wonder whether they do have that that slow end culture that we do because it just sounds so hard yeah it does i don't know it's just would, would you run more or less if you were there do you think
0: I don't think the thing is. I think that you don't really have much of a choice. I can't imagine because it's so populous. I, I've never been to Hong Kong, so it's a very difficult thing. But I get the impression it's so populous that just kind of like running out on the road is a, it isn't a great experience.
1: Yeah. That yeah.
0: if you're going to run, it's got to be on the trails. If you're going to do any sort of substantial, substantial running, um,
1: yeah. I, think,
0: I, I I don't know. I think you. I think you'd probably run more. It sounds like they've got like an incredible community as well. That mm. comes with that, uh, but also the ability to go out to lots of different places where it's almost they're almost like pioneering uh, races. So you're getting to go to races where they, you know, it's the first few years and everything. And while that has problems, that must al- also also be amazing to get there before you know other westerners do, uh, and you know to get there when it's relatively, you know, un
1: uncommercial and untouched. Although and i guess although we get that a little Mercedes, bit with but. Yeah, I guess we get a bit a little bit with if you go to races in Bulgaria or Romania or um where you're going to territory that people don't typically even walk on. And so you can discover it, but it just I, I guess it's because we're we've been to a lot of these countries before it seems far less exotic far less exciting and also because the animals as you say aren't going to kill you (laughs) and that's that's the you know the the back of your mind if i was running someone like that i'd always be thinking wow that hedgehog's big that's a big hedgehog how big are the hedgehogs? i mean there's their hedgehogs make sense because they're the size of a hedge (laughs) It's a proper name. They are, and they're, they're properly hogging properly
0: hedge. hogging that hedge. Yeah, there's no. They're not taking up a small part of it. They're taking up the whole of the hedge.
1: Yeah, yeah, crazy. Um, I mean, they they must be delicious as well. I'd imagine hedgehog that size, oh, because hedgehogs are meant to be quite tasty. Well,
0: don't know, like that restaurant that was clearly doing a roaring trade in in uh, trail wildlife.
1: <laughs> yeah, do you think they're the, one of the sponsors? <laughs>
0: Yeah, run the trail, eat the wildlife. It's like yeah. kind of it's kind of like the, the one of the, the aid great. stations
1: is all bacon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, incredible. But yeah, I like the idea. I like the idea of. Um, I don't know what it is about Hong Kong. I do because it like because it used to be British. I suppose mm. it feels as though it's slightly different from everything else. But I like the idea. Yeah, the fact that there are so many races there, and it's quite a good mm. it's quite a good jumping off point as well. And you know that you're gonna. You can do, like, luxury... But this is... So, this is the thing, which I think is really underplayed, which was sort of underplayed there. The, like, the humidity. Like, the idea of, like, running in Vietnam with that kind of humidity. You know, mm. I've been to Vietnam. I've been to, like, Southeast Asia. But it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult enough walking, like, anywhere. Yeah. Uh, let alone, like, doing a, a race. So, yeah, and I think probably the most... The most humid place I've been to... Uh, for a race it's probably sierra leone which is almost kind of like all oh, yeah that, that was that was really high humidity and that needed a lot of um a lot of hydration we we didn't have any gels i suppose then did we um but but yeah it'd be interesting to like the difference that would make in your nutrition uh and everything
1: else that even occurs- in your organization because if i go for a sunday run i'll just take my keys with me and sometimes i might take you know a bullet or a pack of shot blocks in case i'm really tired but normally i won't have anything on the run at all for like two three hours come home but whereas there that humidity and you really need to be packing for each longer run each training run really especially if you're up in the mountains and there are creepy coralies and things that could go wrong (laughs) yeah
0: exactly that's it. it's not easily accessible uh if something does go wrong yeah, sorry, even
1: a sprained ankle or something where you're suddenly, in a three-hour walk back or whatever it may be, because I can't imagine they get a copter out to you for a sprained ankle.
0: <laughs> but I just what I really like, which I'm I'm going to look at more, and we didn't. I mean, James was talking about it. Obviously, James Paul was talking about it. Obviously, um, but. Didn't have a look into 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 the detail of the four trails, but the idea of getting taxis between the bits and then having to get on a ferry, I absolutely love that.
1: Yeah, and the the having to time it as well, and but in it would be one of those. If you miss the ferry, in a way, you'd be so pleased, but you'd be so angry because you could just have this three-hour nap and um, it's almost forced forced upon you in a good way but it's, then it's the like man, when you're it's pressure...
0: like yeah it's like you're like when you're running and you get to a um uh what's it called a traffic crossing and 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 all the you know the all the what's it called the green go mango, the goes green and you're like damn it i wanted a rest and now i've got to cross
1: but that must be heartbreaking if you get in there and then the next seven runners all come in over the course of the next two hours and you're all on the same ferry.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, all your all your your hard work and everything means nothing.
1: Yeah, and it, it does change the tactics. Um, but the idea of also having seasonal running as well, because as as you know, you're you're here from the interview of Nick Anderson. Um, I rarely have a week where I'm not running at least 40 miles. Like if if ever for the last, don't know how long um how many years unless i've mingered out whereas in places like hong kong you do have proper seasons where you're just not going to run for several months of the year and, and maybe that it gives you even more passion for running because you, you just you imagine that first weekend where the wet season passes and you're, you're just chomping at the bit but then you've got all this passion but you've got no fitness either and you've got no condition maybe you can have conditioning in the gym but you know are these people in the on treadmills throughout the i'm I'm not going to say winter because i don't know which throughout the rain season um and like how do you how do you do these races when for me i'd want to build up to like a 100k -er for six seven months but they can't because the the conditions
0: no no exactly
1: yeah yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, um, great to great to hear from another part of the world. And um, if you if you liked that interview, the the James Paul one's very good. He took on the four day. We we talked to him before he we went out, um, and he also talked about was it the Gobi March or <laughs> the hallucination? With, yes, <laughs> yeah. where he salu- Well, we won't tell you what he salu- hallucinated, but really interesting um harvey as well So um, sorry alfie alfie higgins is another uh, runner who's been out to china and taken part in the races ended up coming second was a, a local celebrity on the television and all of that really really funny story um and even our man richard from australia he's talking about australian running as well um it's worth looking that one up any i think that those are the only three we've really had from the region
0: yeah no, um we've already touched upon um the other dragons related race with hugh hugh brassington
1: yes that's right
0: yes uh, so if you want another dragon based race that's the that's another interview to listen to and it's always good listening to him as well
1: yeah he's got one of the loveliest voices you'll ever hear cool well wow. good to catch up again buddy all right then man we will see you later Better bye, bye, bye,
0: bye, better by baby, come
1: back. Buddy bye, 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 for the bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have
0: to leave town. Come back, yes, and give me one more try,
1: Cause I love like this. Should I never ever die? Come back, fuck
2: you, buddy. <laughs>